0: what is happening everybody good morning welcome to the nba strategy show i was off yesterday so i actually was uh totally unplugged i don't know what happened in the basketball games really i was uh just dealing with stuff in my own personal life here but happy to be back on the youtube channel do me a favor like the video subscribe to the youtube channel we're sponsored by vivid picks and uh, really good deal over at vivid picks because they have a free square going it is travis kelsey over 0.5 receiving yards for the super bowl that is something you guys want to take advantage of and if you are going to sign up at vivid make sure to use our link as well because not only going to get that travis kelsey over 0.5 receiving yards but the standard deposit bonus offer over at vivid picks is hundred dollars but you get up to 300 if you sign up using our link so if you deposit 300 they give you 300. If you deposit 200, they give you 200. So make sure to take advantage of those deposit offers as well. Sign up to do the picks using the link that we have below. Josh, what's happening? How, how did last night's slate go? I'm I totally have no clue what happened in the games.
1: I was basically like spot on break. Even, um, I didn't have nearly as much Luca as I would have needed. He played 42 minutes, which were six more than the, uh, than I was expecting. I would have preferred him to not play those minutes, but Uh, It was sort of like a totally normal day for me yesterday. I don't have anything else to add other than picked up the dub on prize picks. So if you're not watching that, you must not like money.
0: Bang, bang. So uh, yeah, Josh's Mm. prize picks videos, which you guys can catch over on the odd shopper channel. You can also uh, check out Josh on Twitter at Josh Engelman, where he's been tweeting out his prize picks videos, as well as picks up. Go check out the prize pick stuff from Josh. If you guys are able to play over there Uh, as for tonight's slate, we have a uh, seven game slate and the, the 10 PM games are going to be included on the slate because they didn't want to cut the slate down to five games. But as a result of that, we have a massive gap because we have five games the lock at either seven or seven 30 PM Eastern time, and then two 10 PM games. So we'll see what ends up happening with the injury news in the later games and when we end up getting it, because we do have some situations where like the New Orleans Pelicans, for instance, Zion Williamson is questionable today. And it does feel like he's been questionable nearly every game for the last couple of weeks. But just one quick thought on that before we get into breaking the games game by game here, Josh, how much are you thinking about the fact that we do have this big space in games with key players questionable in the 10 p.m. games?
1: Well, one, I actually love it. Uh, We've talked about these, like dropping these final games a lot. When there's two of them, I don't mind so much that it's there because it makes the swaps easier. And because there's nothing from 730 to 10, it does kind of feel like you can get away from it for a while and then like come back two hours later instead of like, oh, it's and you have one at 830 and then at nine. And then you just feel like you're incrementally doing all that stuff. That's when it really feels like a chore where this one feels a little bit easier. But the benefit here, Sacramento taking on Detroit, the Kings side of this game looks amazing, and because they're facing the Pistons and they suck. <laughs> and if we get wild news, like we've got Cade questionable, Boyan questionable, whatever happens on the Pelican side, you never know what could happen on the Clippers side. We have enough out there where you're going to be getting to Sacramento, where I think swaps will still be pretty easy if we need to do stuff with Zion or if we need to do stuff where all of a sudden the Pistons don't have Cade and Boyan and you've got like all of this value, so to speak, where it's not like you're going to be trying to hunt down a ton of value by the time you get to that 10 o'clock game, like at that point, you like raw points start to matter in your swaps a little bit more just because somebody becomes really cost-efficient for Detroit. There's only so much you can get to when you've already locked five out of the seven games, but it might allow you to get to more De'Aaron Fox, who I think is one of today's best plays, more of Demontis Sabonis, who I think is one of today's best plays, or then just Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, Zion, Kawhi, James Harden. Like, There's a lot to pay up for to use that value if we get it.
0: And shout out to some people in the chat last night. I see a uh, Shake FN in the YouTube chat is saying that he won uh, 1100 last night. Let's do it again. So, uh, shout out to Shake FN. I saw somebody here marco samparo saying the drum and late swap was beautiful last night so uh, it does seem like a lot of people did well humboldt 707 said that he hit a uh, five dollar six leg pick six last night for 615 dollars nice. his very first time trying out pick six and uh, by the way that is something also we're going to be covering more on the channel in the near future some uh, pick six stuff with DraftKings. that is something that we're working on at the moment so uh yeah good to see that apparently a lot of people had good nights last night and uh Let's keep that going for today. Let's start by breaking down these games, beginning with the Cleveland Cavaliers on the road against the Washington Wizards, and clearly a great matchup for Cleveland tonight, Josh, because they're taking on Washington. But there is one aspect of this that we definitely have to talk about when it comes to Cleveland, and that is there's nobody important on the injury report anymore. We don't have Jared Allen questionable. We don't have Darius Garland questionable. So now that we have all these guys back and Donovan Mitchell remains priced up, Is there anything you're really liking from Cleveland where it's a great matchup, but the team's healthy? I was shocked
1: when I loaded this one up. I was just like, okay, most of Cleveland is going to look okay today. Just by default, you play Washington, you make people look good. And that is not the case at all. I have one share Of Donovan Mitchell. We have him projected for 7% ownership. You're starting to get a couple more minutes now from Darius Garland. You're starting to get a couple more minutes now from Evan Mobley. We have 15% ownership coming into Jared Allen and 12% optimal. I'm quite confident that that is both of those numbers are going to come down later on. Um, While Jared Allen has been fantastic over the past 30 days, 1.34 fantasy points per minute. I don't think that's a new standard for him. I think we see that come back down to his normal range as he starts playing more minutes alongside Evan Mobley. They get sort of back to normal, especially with Garland there too. So if you're projecting Jared uh, Jared Allen as like the 1.2 fantasy point per minute guy that he normally is, then he's just relatively normal Jared Allen at a slightly increased price tag. I find Cleveland... You, you wouldn't expect it. I find Cleveland basically impossible to get to outside
0: of Donovan Mitchell. The problem with this team is it's, think about the way we find value in DFS. This is the inverse of that, right? We've got players coming back from injury. Donovan Mitchell's pretty much as expensive as you're ever going to see him. Same deal yeah. with Jared Allen, about as expensive as you're ever going to see him, and Evan Mobley is going to cut into the production of Jared Allen. Darius Garland is going to cut into the production of Donovan Mitchell. And then on top of that, neither Evan Mobley nor Darius Garland are playing full minutes themselves. So that's going to cap what their upside is because I don't know what you're expecting for minutes for them, Josh, but I'm thinking something like in the 28 minute somewhere around there.
1: I went 28 to Garland, 28 to Evan Mobley.
0: Cool. Yeah. So, being that's perfect it it, it just makes it makes the team pretty unappealing now it's the Washington Wizards there's certainly upside there but there's other spots that I do prefer to target so anything else you want to talk about as far as Cleveland goes
1: no not really like they don't have anybody on the injury report so I don't think that we're going to like create anything here I just think that these guys are still a little bit inflated from having those two dudes out for so long and we're going to hit this little stretch where as long as everybody is in, we're probably not going to get much of Cleveland for like the next week or two.
0: So let's talk about the other side of the game. The Washington Wizards, who are going to be taking on a healthier version of the Cleveland Cavaliers. As far as the Wizards injury report goes, we do have Marvin Bagley out, but uh, he's the only guy who's been part. Actually, it's crazy that Marvin Bagley's actually kind of been an important part of the rotation <laughs> since they traded for him, but they don't have big men on the team. So as far as the Washington Wizards go, is there anything standing out to you and maybe in the frontcourt Bagley being out?
1: Standout, no, but they look better than Cleveland, which is weird considering they have to face Cleveland, the number two defense in the league, 22nd in pace. Like This is a bad spot for Washington, and yet they are a more desirable DFS outcome than their opponent. We're seeing Gafford get 18% ownership. We have that pretty negatively leveraged, and I tend to agree. I have 10%. He certainly looks like a viable option with no Bagley behind him. You know, he's going to be in around 28 minutes when he doesn't get in foul trouble and the games close. He probably gets 30 or 31 and he's over a fantasy point per minute when he's out there. So I have no problems getting to Gafford. I just feel like he's probably getting a little bit more love than he should be, but not to point him out as a bad play. We also have very positive leverage On Kyle Kuzma, I don't necessarily think that he is a giant positive leverage play, but at 10%, he's probably the easiest guy to get to from the Wizards. Power forward center eligible, 7,600, somewhere in that 1.2 fantasy point per minute range. Going to get a steady diet of, I guess, Evan Mobley defense at least for a little bit, which probably won't be a treat for him, but could be the last game that he plays in a Washington Wizards uniform. Who knows? Uh, Trade deadline tomorrow. I'll see you guys for a couple hours for that Mm -hmm. one it's kuzma at the top of the list not a priority by any means but the guy that i would want the most of i think you could work in tyus jones who's also 10 owned i think you'd work in a denny avdia lineup a jordan pool lineup basically any one of the starters are viable here and that's more than you could say for the cleveland side
0: yeah the guy i like the most here is kyle kuzma and it's just based on what his ownership is him being right around that 10 mark like you mentioned and He's been the highest upside fantasy player for the Wizards this year. And there's also kind of a sneaky minutes upside for Kyle Kuzma. It's easy to look at just the minutes played per game for a lot of players on shitty teams and go like, okay, this guy plays 32 minutes per game. But the reality is the Wizards play so few games that are competitive. Also, Kyle Kuzma gets into foul trouble a decent amount that it does limit his playing time. But if you look at some of the single-digit games or games that are not massive, blowouts, like the last time we saw Kyle Kuzma play, he sat out last game, but the game before that, he played 36 minutes in a 10 point game against the Miami Heat, but then the game before that he plays 29 minutes. But it's like, yeah, they lost to the Clippers by 16 in that game. The closer, the starters didn't close out the game, so I do think there's upside in Kyle Kuzma. But if better value becomes available later, he falls by the wayside pretty quick.
1: Totally agree. I wish there was more to say here, but like when push comes to shove, they are still facing the Cavs, so it's hard to get to any of the like ancillary pieces of the Wizards, especially with some of these other spots that we have today.
0: So let's move on and talk about the Toronto Raptors. Also, a lot of these games, fairly wide spreads. There's only one game on the slate with a spread less than seven points, and that's going to be the Golden State Warriors-Philadelphia 76ers game where the spread is currently four and a half points, and that could end up being pretty one-sided if Maxi gets ruled out later. But let's talk about the Toronto Raptors against the Charlotte Hornets, and this is a seven and a half point spread for Toronto. Great matchup for them against the Charlotte Hornets. And uh, the Raptors, another team that's healthier than they've been in recent games because Gary Trent probable to play. We've got R.J. Barrett; He's going to play after sitting out. We saw Jakob Pertl miss time. He's back, and I don't think he's really going to be restricted anymore. I don't think Emmanuel quickly, we could expect any kind of restriction from him. But just like we talked about with the Cleveland Cavaliers, Josh, this is a great matchup against the Charlotte Hornets. So is there anybody from the Raptors that you do like getting to, even though the team is becoming healthier?
1: They got four dudes that are basically the same dude. We have four guys that got to double digits in ownership. Uh Barrett is the most owned of those guys, but like we're in that like 10 to 18% range. Call it like 14 for all of them, especially at 10 o'clock in the morning. Like there's some wiggle room here. And that's how I see it. I have a manual quickly projected at 5.1x. I have Jakob Pertl projected at 5.1x, RJ Barrett at 5x, and Scotty Barnes at 5.1x. It, you're getting some guys with an MPE across guard forward. You get a center. You get a, just a point guard. Like, whatever you're sort of looking for, Toronto has that kind of guy. They don't look amazing, but they are sort of key parts of today's slate. They all all three of those guys or all four of those guys that I mentioned have 10 to 15 percent optimal rates in our boom bus tool. It's right in line with the ownership. You know, you see a little bit of positive leverage on one guy, a little bit of negative on the other. But these guys are all basically in and around the same play today. The guy that I'm getting the most of is quickly at seven K, which is not necessarily what I expected since he's point guard only. I figured that I would see maybe a little bit more R.J. Barrett since he's shooting guard small forward, but that didn't really happen. I think maybe just because he's getting a little bit more ownership, he was the one that kind of got squeezed a little bit since I see these guys so similar. But it's basically those four dudes and nobody else. We have 2% ownership to Gary Trent. We don't have anything else of value to anybody else here. I think you could mix and match from these Toronto dudes. I wouldn't want to go crazy on any one individual guy, but that 4-4 is really nice for Toronto.
0: Yeah, the one that I gravitate towards the most as of this morning is Scotty Barnes. And uh, Barnes is somebody who clearly is pretty significant upside for the Toronto Raptors. He's maybe disappointed a little bit since the trade of Pascal Siakam. I thought we were going to see more of a usage bump for him that we haven't seen yet to this point. But he fills out the box score. We see scoring from Scotty Barnes, rebounds, assists, defensive stats as well. So a real significant upside for him in a matchup against the Charlotte Hornets. And then in addition to that kind of minimal ownership going to Scotty Barnes right now, and he's somebody who has more value opens up later in the day. It's only going to be easier to get to him as opposed to some of the other spots where it's like, we look at cheaper guys and it's kind of, all right, I could take your leave with these, with these uh, fringe type players, but Scotty Barnes is currently in 18% of my lineups. And I wouldn't be surprised that ends up being like 25% later.
1: Yeah. And like, like I said, I have more quickly, but any one of those guys could be that I have more X person and I, it wouldn't really change anything for me. You mentioned Scotty Barnes, like not expect, not getting as much usage as you expected. I feel the same way about Pascal Siakam. I thought he was going to go to Indiana and like take a bit of a bump and really establish himself. And it's just like, no, it's just business as
0: usual. Yeah. They just have kind of been the same guys, even though they're in what looked like better situations on paper. Let's talk yeah. about the Charlotte side because there are injuries Oof. on the other side of the game and they're not injuries that I uh, particularly care to deal with, right? Where we've got, well, Lamelo balls out, but he's been out, but now we've got Gordon Hayward questionable. He could be added back into the mix. Cody Martin is questionable. He's just been a guy who's kind of a bench piece for them, but when they're missing players like Gordon Hayward, like Lamelo ball, we end up seeing Cody Martin play extended minutes and he kind of sucks the fantasy producer. So he typically doesn't do anything with those minutes, but If Gordon Hayward returns tonight, Josh, how is that going to impact the other players on the Hornets?
1: I don't think it matters today because I have to assume that he's going to be limited to, you know, somewhere in that 18 to 22 minute range. I can't imagine they're just letting him rip. I also don't think he plays at all. Normally when you see somebody come back after this long, you kind of get a day or two, like maybe one game of a Q tag where it doesn't, it isn't him. And then, you know, we see him the next time. Also, he is highly likely to not be a Hornet. Tomorrow, If they're like trying to move people around, get him to a a contender or something like that. So it's possible we just go out there and we see him be healthy and that's the extent of it, at which point I think the impact ends up happening to like, you know, Leaky Black's minutes, Bryce McGowan's minutes, uh, insert like if it's a JT Thor day, it's not anymore. If it's a Nate Mensa day, it's not anymore. I still like getting to some of these other pieces. I I like Cody Martin quite a bit at 4,800 point guard shooting guard. If he plays and he starts, those two things are both very up in the air at this point. I think miles bridges continues to look good based on the amount of minutes that he's able to play. And in this one, this should be, as competitive of a matchup as Charlotte can really get to at this point, you know, six and a half point dogs is like a good night for them. I have 28% of bridges right now at 9% ownership. He's power forward center. He's playing like 38 minutes a night. I'm also getting to, an overwhelming amount of Nick Richards. Now he's 28% owned, 22% optimal. Something is just fitting in perfectly because is he a little underpriced at 5,500 for being like a 0.95 fantasy point per minute guy? Yeah, maybe it's a couple hundred bucks. Something is just making him fit so far today across the board. Cause when you look at him, he looks really good on a point per minute basis, but you don't look at this slate like, Oh, this is a quarter of your lineups, Nick Richards day. So I think that we might see that come down a little bit just from other value opening up throughout the day, but he does seem to be the very clear standout piece from the Hornets. And I am getting a lot of him. Do I want 60% of Nick Richards tonight? It doesn't feel like that kind of day in any way, but I mean, if he's going to be like 5.8 X his salary right now, he is going to be a priority for everybody.
0: And yeah, same. I mean, in in my initial run of lineups, I get Nick Richards in more than half of them for myself as well. And this is another guy who kind of in the same way I talked about Kyle Kuzma before, where it's if you look at some of the competitive games, the Hornets play in, if Nick Richard stays out of foul trouble, he plays absurd amounts of minutes. Yeah. We saw games a couple of weeks ago against the Knicks. He played 37 and a half minutes against the jazz. He played 36 and a half minutes. Then you get these other games where it's like, Hey, look, the Charlotte Hornets lost by 30 points. They lost by 25. And in those games, yeah, you get lesser minutes out of Nick Richard, but it's still not nothing. And the games where they get yeah. blown out, he's typically playing like, 30 to 32 minutes as long as it doesn't get into foul trouble so there's a a pretty sneaky ceiling for minutes here with nick richards as well and considering the spread being what it is that's how i viewed as well josh as of right now he's one of the players i get the most exposure to but not that i expect that to consider later i would expect that to continue later on the day
1: yeah like he's he's certainly going to be a guy you're definitely getting today no matter what else pops up he's going to look like a really good value play but he might come down to being like a 20% owned guy that you get 30% of instead of 60 to 30, like it like you and I are kind of seeing right now. Also, I have no problem getting to a fifty-seven hundred dollar PJ Washington who could very easily play his way north of 30 minutes if things break right.
0: And let's uh, I want to quickly answer a question from Einsteinium. Einsteinium, who's uh, always active in our Discord channel. And if you guys want access to our Discord, sign up for any of the packages we have at Stochastic. You can use the links that we have below. We've got the lineup generator package, which is less than $15. It's going to build lineups for you. It's also got our player projections in there. It's got our ownership projections. So if you see a lineup, it's like, hey, you like most of the piece that shows up in the lineup gender, but maybe you want to swap out one player. No problem. You do that really easy, and you get the list of all the players as well as what our projections and ownership are. And that also gets you access to our Discord channel, which is uh, something that we see from like a guy like Einstein. He asks a lot of questions in the Discord channel. And I like this question that he threw in the YouTube chat, which is he had asked us, if we're considering that players minutes could be limited as the trade deadline approaches. And my answer to this is yes, there are certain players who could have their minutes limited, but it's very hard to prepare for Cause we're probably not going to know until after the game ends. So before yeah. Josh had brought up somebody like Gordon Hayward, it's a different situation for Hayward anyway, because he's dealing with an injury potentially coming back from that. So we expect his minutes to be limited anyway, but for some of these guys that we expect to be traded, the problem is that the narrative always gets written after the fact, right? Where we see yeah. all the time on Twitter, people will say, oh my God, this guy played less minutes because he's about to get traded. But then you see the other side too, where people go, oh, this guy played more minutes because they wanted to uh, you know, showcase him for a trade. Yeah. So its I, I don't really pay much mind to it. Not saying that there isn't some truth to what you're saying, Einstein, even, that it could impact how teams give guys minutes. The problem is they don't tell us in advance, so it's hard for us to speculate.
1: Yeah, and the other piece there is you're rarely going to limit someone's minutes once they start playing like if they have if they, if somebody's having active conversations that guy might just not play today mm-hmm. i don't expect to see a guy that you expect to see play 32 minutes play 28 because he's going to get traded like it's it's either going to it's generally going to be all or nothing
0: and it could also be overstated as well where people say like oh the lakers are playing d'angelo russell bigger minutes now because they're trying to up his trade value Mm -hmm. i mean d'angelo russell's been in the league for what 10 years now there's no team who's like oh we didn't know what d'angelo russell was but now that he played 36 minutes instead of 33 minutes on wednesday we have to trade for him so it definitely does get a little bit overstated I i would unless we see a team just definitively say x player is going to play 28 minutes instead of his normal 36 so you're trying to preserve him for a potential trade sure act on that other than that a lot of it isn't really all that actionable Uh, but anything yeah. else to add from the charlotte hornets josh
1: i mean sean v's uh, uh touting brandon miller in chat like his price isn't going up um his price going up is what's making him be unowned and mostly unrosterable i have four percent it's hard to get any sort of of him at small forward only in 7200 if he were still 5800 like he was two weeks ago he would look a lot better but as that price continues to rise as gordon hayward makes his way back to the charlotte hornets uh he's pricing himself out of feeling comfortable about getting to him
0: and this is where gordon hayward also is a little bit of an impact because gordon hayward playing some extra minutes it's, it's not going to kill Brandon Miller's fantasy output, but does lower it a little bit. Gordon yeah. Hayward playing instead of Leaky Black. like yeah. Leaky Black, who, I, like I said the other day, I'm uncomfortable saying that on YouTube. If somebody takes that out of context, I, I'm going to get canceled in some way. People are like, look at what Greg is saying on YouTube. But he's also a guy who we're not expecting to really do anything when he's on the court other than some sure. cardio running back and forth. Gordon Hayward is certainly going to be a higher usage guy than Leaky Black, which means that any minutes that Brandon Miller plays with Hayward as opposed to black, it's going to slightly lower his expected fantasy production.
1: So Miller time has dropped three straight 50 burgers. So what I read when I read that my expectation is Brandon Miller will only drop 50 burgers for the rest of his career, right? There's no, it never gets worse. I would rather not be there for the bad plays. Uh, He's he's already cashed. I I, I'm not allowed to use the points that he's already had. There's no benefit. uh, Exactly. (laughs) There's no benefit from him doing that in the previous three games. All you're doing then is thinking that that is some sort of new standard when it's not. By the way, 1.05 fantasy points per minute for Brandon Miller over the last 30 days. So while it does look amazing and he has been on a bit of a heater, it's still not all that different than his season long rates.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the other thing, too, with some of these rookies, we're about to talk about one in the next game. They clearly get better as the as the season goes on. Like Brandon Miller at his price point, even the fact that Josh has 4% of him right now, never in a million years, a month ago, would you be playing Brandon Miller at this price point at all. No. So th- there is certainly some adjusting that's been made to the breakout of Brandon Miller because Josh is getting yeah. to him, and I myself as well. The fact that we have any exposure to him at this price point, he's definitely definitely somebody who we're factoring in that he's been playing better as of late. It's it's not missed on us.
1: And the, the key takeaway for this is, it's not that I don't think Brandon Miller is good or talented or on a hot run, but DraftKings also, this is a salary game and they are changing his salary and increasing it as he's playing more and playing better. That makes him a worse DFS play. There's no, there's no argument to that. The more you cost, the harder it is to roster you. When you cost less a couple of days ago, you're a worse play now.
0: That's all there is to it. And then also we've got the Gordon Hayward potentially coming back, but let's yeah. move on to the next game. And we could talk about a rookie that I like quite a bit. Josh This probably shouldn't surprise anybody, but the San Antonio Spurs are on the road here taking on the Miami heat. It is not an ideal matchup. And I still get myself to a bunch of Victor Wembo Yama who I'm fairly sure I've been overweight to Wemby on every single slate the Spurs have played on for the last month or so. He's been one of my favorite players to roster. It's been very profitable for me. I don't think that he's priced appropriately. He's too cheap on FanDuel and DraftKings. I know that he's got to be more expensive on FanDuel, but even that aside, his defensive stat output gives him immense ceiling still on FanDuel. And then for DraftKings purposes, the field is getting there, but still not as much as I think they should. So Wemby's one of my favorite pay-up options of the night
1: we're in disagreement here. Not that I don't think he grades out well. Uh, I got him at 5.3 X, but I only have 6% at that 27% ownership number feels a little high to me. I took my lap through the prop market. So I felt pretty good about my projections. He's at like 21 and 10 uh, publicly available, you know, props and stuff. I do have him for four and a half stocks in this game, which is just next level. Stupid when it comes to trying to project these guys. Is this, Oh, I think it's going to be by a mile. I have Wemby projected for more blocks than everyone else on the Spurs combined.
0: Oh, I didn't even think about it in those terms, but not surprising to me. Uh, Let's see. So Wemby. Oh, I mean, another part of this, too, is you look at the other players on the team. It's like, who are the other shot blockers? They don't exist. So, yeah, I could see how Wemby would project for, because it's like, who else? Who's the second on the team in blocks? Like Jeremy Sokan or something like that?
1: Uh, I have it as champagne actually and Zach Collins, but at both at 0. 0.6, but the point still stands. Yeah, like I looked at the column and it was Victor Wembinyama at 3.2, and then everybody was like 0. 0.2, 0. 0.2, 0. 0.1, 0.3. I was like, oh, I bet those numbers are really close. Yeah, <laughs> it turns out Wemby will block. Wemby is 50% of the blocks today for the Spurs, but anyway, um, I like him, mm-hmm. I think he. I think that he got juiced a little bit. Now, I'm not saying in your mind, but in people's minds, when he was playing relatively limited minutes, that also allowed him to like go a little bit harder, knowing that he didn't have to have anything else in the tank. So you were seeing him at like 1. 1.8, 1.85 fantasy points per minute. Now you get this matchup against a pretty solid defense in Miami. Like he's not, Like, Bam is not a good matchup for him if he's getting possessions against Bam. Like, Bam is going to handle, as much as anybody can handle Victor Weminyama doing things, Bam is going to be that guy. And then they are 29th in pace. San Antonio is second. This is as big of a pace down spot as you can get for the Spurs. So I actually only have Wemby in for 1.6 fantasy points per minute in this spot. (laughs) That's still 47 fantasy points in 29 minutes. I I think he looks really good. Twenty-seven percent ownership is going to keep me away from him. If that dropped to twenty, then I would probably have like fifteen, and we would be talking pretty similarly about him. But I think he's a little bit overowned right now. That is not what we're showing in the boom bus tool, by the way. He is spot-on optimal rate to ownership. I do think thirty minutes is—I don't want to say too aggressive because that sounds stupid. I go to—I've I've been trying to limit his minutes a hair. Because it seems like he just gets to thirty and like that is the wall. There is no thirty-three or thirty-four or thirty-five for him. And I I I try to bring that guy back a minute from where you would really want to set that line. And that has put me in line with the, with the markets for right now. So it's I don't like he's clearly the best option that you can get to from San Antonio. I would love to have a bunch of them because it's way more fun to roster him than not roster him. But if I'm just going based on what I have right now, I don't have as much Wemby.
0: Yeah, and uh I'm I'm also a little bit higher on his minutes and you not like that I think he plays 34 yeah. or 35 or anything like that. Last game he played 27, but the game was decided by 16 points. The game before that 28 and a half. The two games prior to that were a 30 and a half minutes in each of those two games against Orlando and Washington. So I don't I don't have an issue putting that 31 minutes or 30 and a half and just because he's such a good points from a fantasy producer. I suspect that if you were to give him those extra two minutes or minute and a half, Josh, it probably would get him to a, a good amount more exposure in your lineups.
1: Oh, if I get if I went from twenty nine to thirty, I wouldn't be surprised if I just immediately matched the field. Like people think that was is probably crazy. The impact of a one and a half fantasy points to someone could be the difference between getting him in twenty percent of your lineups and not getting them at all.
0: Yeah. That's how it goes. Just the NBA DFS ends up being really price sensitive. Kind of goes back to the conversation we're having before about like, Hey, Gordon Hayward plays instead of leaky black. Well, that means that Brandon Miller ends up getting projected for, you know, one and a half less fantasy points or something like that. And yeah, it makes a big difference in terms of where your exposures end up being to players, but outside of Wemby, is there anything else that catches your interest from the San Antonio Spurs?
1: They're getting a bunch of ownership. I mean, we've got Trey Jones at 19%. This is another one where I'm two minutes short of us, and I think that's stopping me from getting to, right now, any Trey Jones in comparison to the 19% ownership. I also think the 19% ownership isn't helping me here, but we've also got sell right around 10%, Jeremy Sohan right around 10%. These guys are looking really good. I'm apprehensive because of this matchup against Miami, the defensive matchup, the pace of this spot. I think it's worse for San Antonio than it seems. So right now I am aggressively fading the Spurs. Maybe we see that change a little bit later. I don't hate that either. 108 implied total for San Antonio is probably the lowest implied total on today's slate. Maybe Washington. I haven't looked at the whole range of it all but it is a bright red number on my sheet and i don't have the context to the side of it but that also doesn't help
0: it is they are tied with the charlotte hornets for the lowest team total because the hornets are seven and a half point underdogs to the eight point underdogs the spurs are but the total is also a half point lower in that charlotte hornets Toronto raptors game so it bounced out so those are your two lowest team totals on the slate charlotte hornets san antonio spurs and then there's a Pretty big jump once we get to some of the later games on the slate in terms of games that are expected to be higher scoring. But first, the Miami side of the game, Josh. We have the Miami yeah. Heat. They are in a great matchup against the San Antonio Spurs, although another team in the Miami Heat that are healthy. And we haven't seen a whole lot of that from them as of late either. So Tyler Hero, good to go. Terry Rogier is going to be out there. And I'm not exactly sure what the minutes expectation is for him going forward. I thought they would ramp him up more, but it just hasn't really happened to this point. But what looks good to you from the Miami Heat?
1: Everything. I have a ton of this team. Everything that I don't have for San Antonio, I do have for the Heat because they get all the benefits of the opposite side of everything that I just laid out. San Antonio is 24th in defensive rating, second in pace. Those two things make Miami look better. Now, we got to start with what I think is the easiest thing that you can do today. That's Caleb Martin. Haywood Highsmith got the boot yesterday out of the starting lineup. I didn't notice it until uh one minute after that one locked when adam was like like at the dm of his uh exposures and i'm just like he's like oh i got so much caleb martin and i was just like i don't have any caleb martin like what did you do today and then i realized that he was starting i was like oh that's a gigantic issue for me luckily that it worked out for me but assuming caleb martin is now the starter in place of haywood highsmith and they're excising haywood highsmith from this rotation I think you're looking at 28, 29 minutes out of Martin in that starting role. We're light here, I think, right now. And we're seeing it in the leverage. We're at negative 23. I think the minutes for Martin look a little bit better than 25 and a half. And I think we're going to see that climb a little bit throughout the day. I have 84% of him. He's 3,800 small forward power forward. I don't know how you avoid a, a starter with an MPE sub 4K against the Spurs. Like, especially right now in this moment when we don't really have as much value. He is the best sub 4k guy that you can get. So he's in basically everything I'm doing, but I'm not stopping there. Give me a 7% owned Tyler hero at 6,500 point guard shooting guard. I have 30% of him right now. It just a really nice matchup, a really nice price. I like the MPE we're getting three times as much ownership to Terry Rozier at $500 cheaper as the exact, basically the exact same play. These guys are both in that one fantasy point per minute range. There's no reason whatsoever that that should be a three to one ownership gap for 500 bucks, but I'm also getting Terry Rozier in 30% of my lineup. So I want to get there. I've got 18% of Jimmy Butler at 6% ownership. If he's 6% against the Spurs, I liked him yesterday. I got his overwrite on prize picks he played well yesterday. I want to go right back to him in this spot. And then any bam you can get at 8k, I think is totally reasonable. He's 10% owned, he's 10% optimal. Uh, no problem at all, but I want to get to a lot of Miami because this matchup is fantastic.
0: Yep, I agree with you on Caleb Martin as well. We've seen him start 13 games this year and the the circumstances are different cuz typically when Caleb Martin's starting it means that there's a key player who's out. So this isn't necessarily that we should just say that He's going to play close to 30 minutes, but we do have 13 starts out of Caleb Martin. He's averaging 29 and a half minutes per game in those starts. And we did see him start in high leverage games in the playoffs last year and play pretty healthy minutes. So I don't know that he gets to the 30 that he's played in starts this year, but I don't think it's unreasonable to think 28, 27 minutes, something like that. And considering what his price point is, and at least as of now, there isn't about a bunch of cheap value available. I agree with you. Best cheap value option on the slate as of right now, it is Caleb Martin. Anything to talk Couldn't about from
1: more. the Heat in addition? Now, like, we saw him get 25 yesterday. That game didn't go the way you wanted it to, but if they're just taking Highsmith out of that rotation, you know, they're, they're, there's not much else that we could really worry about. He'll look worse from an ownership perspective later. Like, the moment you get any other dude around 4K, like, it just, it immediately just takes a little bit away from him. But no, I, Miami is one of my priorities. As I look at it right now, the Heat are the second most exposed team that I have on today's slate behind Sacramento, who we'll get to in a bit.
0: A team that I have a feeling you do not have very much exposure to, the Atlanta Hawks on the road against the Boston Celtics. We're going to see Okongwu continue to start and play big minutes for this team. Clint Capella is going to be out likely until well after the All-Star break here. So uh, he's the guy that looks the best to me from Atlanta, but that's not saying much because I don't think anything looks all that good here.
1: I got a little bit more than you would expect me to have. Now, uh, uh, I think we're probably both in agreement that Akongwu is that guy. You started to mention him there. He's 16% owned. I'm right around that number. I have 18%. As long as he maintains that power forward eligibility, he'll be a little interesting the entire time, even when his price gets to proper for him starting in place of Capella. Like if Capella, let's say Capella's out three weeks, even at the end of that three weeks, if Akongwu still has power forward, he's just permanently more interesting than he would have been if he was just center. So I'm still getting there. I'm going to continue to get to Trey Young. 9,100, point guard eligible, only 9% owned. Like, sometimes Atlanta are going to be in this game against Boston, and I think Trey Young just has to be a part of that when it's happening. He's obviously the best scorer on the team. We've got this. It, it continues to happen where we just have this sea of guards. Mitchell at 99, Curry at 95, Maxi at 94, Trey Young at 91, James Harden at 9K. De'Aaron Fox, who's to me the best play that you can get to today at 8,100, we have this sea of dudes that have very clear like 60 fantasy point ultra ceilings. I'm I'm looking for like 55 out of Trey Young to feel like I got it right today. No reason that can't happen in a competitive matchup against Boston. So he is a guy that I'm getting to a little bit. I have about 15% for Trey. Never hate getting there. Have some scattered De- DeJounte Murray. Have a lineup with Jalen Johnson. Actually, I have a lineup with Bogdan Bogdanovich, which is a little surprising to me. I have more of Atlanta than I expected to have, but no major stands. Really just right around the field.
0: Yeah, it's just a it's just a team to me yeah. where you know okongu fields getting there understand it i think that's reasonable ownership's about appropriate and there's nobody else that i really love from the team and for a lot of the people who watch who i know play one two three lineups i wouldn't consider playing anybody other than okongu is like a last man in from the hawks in any sort of those situations because on the other side of the game we've got the boston <laughs> celtics who are big favorites in the game favored by 12 points I consider Boston to be the best team in the NBA. However, we do have some injury news here. Drew Holiday is listed as questionable, Josh. And Holiday's been great for this team from a real-life perspective. They're a super deep team. And often, it takes a guy being out for me to really have any kind of interest in Boston. Would Peyton Pritchard or Derek White or anybody else really stand out to you from Boston if Holiday isn't able to play?
1: Richard will certainly look a little bit better just because he's 3,500. Like you can feel more confident about him getting to, I don't know, 20, 21 minutes. Uh, They can kind of spread it out however they want at that point. They're just, they're so loaded. This team is exceptional. They're all basically like the the main five starters are all basically 10% owned. They're all basically 10% optimal. They feel a lot like the four main dudes for Toronto, but they also just feel like they always do when they're fully healthy. You're, Totally cool getting any one of those starters, and it's really difficult to figure out which one you like the most. I think Tatum is the best option you can get to at 9,600. He's the best per minute dude. He's going to play the most minutes. He's small forward power, forward eligible. If you want to pay up for Jason Tatum against a really crappy Hawks defense and a really nice pace, Tatum is the, the priority but if you don't have that kind of salary like you could take that step back and go to the Jalen Brown Chris Daps, Porzingis tier or you could take that step back again and go to the Derek White Drew Holiday tier it all works for me I don't know how you prioritize anybody I got about 10% of all of them
0: yeah that's where I'm at like 5 to 10% of all the key guys from Boston and yeah. that's that's it. it's just the guy that's like hey cool if you're building a lineup and you have the uh, adequate amount of salary left and, like, you need a guard spot available, like, cool, it'll be Drew Holiday or Derek White you plug in at the forward spot. It could be Tatum or Jalen Brown, but it's nobody who it's, like, 30% owned or anybody I'm really prioritizing. So if Drew Holiday is out, yeah, Peyton Pritchard becomes a serviceable value option. He wouldn't be better than, say, like, a Caleb Martin, but he would get into play. But I don't really have anything else to say about Boston, do you?
1: I really, really don't.
0: So let's move on to the last Uh game from the early locking games on the slate. That is the Golden State Warriors on the road against the Philadelphia 76ers for the Warriors. Chris Paul and Gary Payton remain out and we've got Draymond Green listed as questionable for tonight. So uh, same sort of deal when I asked you about Drew Holiday, but if Draymond Green isn't able to play for the Warriors, Josh, anybody that would really stand out to you from Golden State?
1: Yeah, that would probably open up like, I, I mean, we probably have to get to Kavon Looney at that point, right? 3,500 center only, you know, even if you only think he plays 20 to 22 minutes, we're talking about a 0.95 fantasy point per minute, dude, at that point. Let's just say that. Let's say he plays 20 minutes, 0.95. That's 19 fantasy points at three point. Yeah, you'd be like a 5.4 extra salary guy. Uh, that's going to be really good. Um, and any minute above that is going to look even better. So I think Looney would be the first guy you look at. Probably Dario Saric at least a little bit at 4,200 power forward center. Maybe Trace Jackson Davis, depending on how you're feeling there. Um, As of right now, Clay Thompson is 24% owned. A little bit of negative leverage. I have 24% of him on the dot. I only went 31 minutes. That's exactly where we're at. And he lost his MPE. He's only shooting guard now, which is a little ugly. And like rostering him feels ugly. I posted some, uh, the Darko projection system screenshots of Clay in Discord a couple days ago. He has basically given up getting to the rim. And when I say given up, I mean because he can't do it. I think he'd prefer to do it, but can't. He just doesn't do it. Like it's, you know, an attempt at best at the rim and the three point attempts skyrocketing. So he's become whatever you thought Clay was before as a three point shooter. He is now just a one dimensional version of that. And yet for 5,500, if those threes are falling here against Philadelphia, uh, he starts to look pretty interesting. Draymond is the other guy that is getting love if he is in 16% owned. For some reason, I never get him. And like i don't have him projected any different than we do we have 32.2 i have 31.4 less than a fantasy point difference between the two but like i just i never end up with draymond any longer and i don't really know why And he's always projected for like eight seven and seven with a steel and a block it's always like a really weird stat line i'd be happy to get to draymond the one guy that i'm not getting that i wouldn't mind getting is steph but i basically just turned steph into trey if you want to, if you're not a Trey guy and you're a Steph guy today, I totally get it. It's the, they're the same thing. It's the same sort of you're look you're looking for the exact same thing out of that play.
0: And uh, by the way, another one one thing to add about Clay Thompson is not only is he kind of been relegated to just strictly a three point shooter, he's shooting 37.1 percent from three, which isn't terrible, but it's the lowest mark of his career. We've actually only seen him shoot below 40 percent one other time for his entire career and that was back in 21 uh 2021 2022 where he shot 38.5 percent from three and that was he was working his way back from injury only played 32 games so for all intents and purposes we have never seen clay thompson shoot under 40 percent from three in a season he was healthy and now he's down to 37.1 percent which i also think speaks to the dip in his athleticism and then if he's not able to get to the basket well, then people could play up on him more and they don't have to worry about him going around them. So they could kind of cheat on him and make sure that they're really defending the three against him. So uh definitely feels like this is starting to be a pretty big decline for Klay Thompson. He was already declining before. That'll happen when you yeah. tear your ACL and your Achilles in back-to-back years. But now it's really starting to look ugly for him on the court whereas the advanced metrics indicate that he's no longer a positive player. Uh, anything else you want to add for Golden State?
1: On a DFS side, no. I'm going to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Where is Clay Thompson playing basketball next year? What does his next contract look like? Who signs him? What like? Because I was saying like I I can't see a situation where he gets anything more than the the mid level for any sort of stretch because I, I just don't know how you pay for what this is now. I don't know where he goes or who wants him or where he ends up or what like the Lakers are the is what everybody always thinks but I don't like I don't know is is he better than Max Christie? I mean My that expectation
0: too is that he just, for the purpose of he has a connection to Golden State and to the community, and I don't really know what Golden State does going forward either, I think that we probably see him sign like a one-year deal with Golden State where he tries to potentially recoup some of his market value, because I I agree with you. I don't think there's going to be any team, unless there is a team out there that's desperate and just throws a lot of money at them because they can, and they don't have other options. It's a very weak free agent class, so maybe yeah. there's one of these teams with cap space, like the Orlando magic just says like, Hey, here, play, take a two year, $35 million deal. Cause we don't have anything else to spend our cap space on short of that. I kind of think he just signs a one-year deal with the warriors. Yeah. Like the, the way that he gets a bag is to go to a place that like, he doesn't want to go.
1: Yeah. Like if, if the Pistons or the Hornets or something want to throw like crazy money at him, that's how he gets real money to go to a real team. I don't see, I don't think any real team is like, we're a Clay Thompson away.
0: No, Well, nobody's a Clay Thompson away because he is now a very ne- negative defender, right? He's not good on the defense end of the court because he doesn't have the same uh, mobility that he used to. That's due to his age and the injuries that he's had. And then in addition to that, if his three-point shooting doesn't turn around this year, you're getting a league-average three-point shooter who's a below-average defender and doesn't add anything else. He's still got name yeah. cachet. He's got experience, maybe... Maybe there's a team that values his veteran presence more than like you or I were looking at it from the outside. But yeah, it's hard to justify paying him very much money.
1: Yeah, I've I've been trying to figure it out. And like, I feel like he ends up in LA on the Lakers, but at a contract number that he's not going to be happy about.
0: Very possible. Very possible. Let's talk about the West Coast games. Two left. Although first. We are not done here. Oh, all oh, oh, right. The uh, the Philadelphia side of the game. Almost skip past yeah. that. Anything to add about the uh, Warriors? Uh, it would have been a nah. big fuck up. by me if I didn't talk about the Philadelphia 76ers and Tyrese Maxey being questionable to play, he was downgraded this morning because of an illness a little bit before the show started. And uh, obviously Joel Embiid is out. Nick Batum is out. Robert Covington is out. DeAnthony Melton is out. Uh, and let, let's talk about a couple things with Tyrese Maxey. First, what does the usage look like here if he doesn't play? Like, we know Tobias Harris is going to do a lot, but who else would have to pick oh. up the slack?
1: Oh. Kelly <laughs> Ubre is like certainly the first dude you have to mention. Let me just go ahead and take, I'm going to take Joel Embiid off, and I'm going to take Tyrese Maxey off and just figure out who has been that person. There's not another creator on this team. Like, they're all, they, none of them exist. Tobias Harris is going to get a steady diet of Jonathan Kaminga defense and as many shots as he wants. Patrick Beverly has played the most minutes of anybody on Philadelphia uh, with Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey off the floor. He has a 22% usage rate. So at the very least, I think we're expecting Patrick Beverly to look for his own shot a little bit more Uh, just for reference sake. He's also at 63% true shooting in that time. Uh, Do not expect that kind of, if, Tyrese, or if uh, Patrick Beverly could be a 22% usage, 60% true shooting guy, he'd be an all NBA guy. So that's not going to continue.
0: The problem with a lot of this data, too, is the players who have played minutes with these guys off the court. It's it's bench guys, right? We're like we're looking yeah. at, like Mo Bamba played 153 minutes with yeah. Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey off the court. All right, that doesn't do us a whole lot of good for tonight's slate, though. Because then you're looking at the other guys. It's like, all right, well, then it's Jaden Springer's played 159 minutes. Marcus Morris played 157. And a lot of these guys, I think, are pretty interchangeable. These guys are going to like 0.9 fantasy point per minute yeah. type of guys. So if, if we see Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid out, one guy that would be potentially interesting to me, Jaden Springer, because yep. he's somebody who is not a terrible fantasy, producer. he's very cheap on a slate that doesn't have all that much value. And even if this game turns into a blowout, which is very live to happen, if Tyrese Maxey sits, because where's the offense coming to from Philly? Springer, somebody who'd be in the rotation normally, but would also potentially play in garbage time. So that's somebody who I have my eye on as a punt play if Maxey's out.
1: 22.5% usage rate for Springer in that time in the 150-whatever minutes that he's been off. So a guy that is going to get a little bit more usage or at least have... Be one of the guys that are above average in usage for this game. Marcus Morris tends to take more shots in these situations. I think you would see his usage rate jump up a little bit. But in terms of creation, they are in deep shit if Maxi's not around.
0: And then one other thing I want to touch on with Tyrese Maxi before we move on from the West Coast games, which I accidentally tried to do a second ago, is that if Maxi plays... There's this narrative that goes around for some reason that Maxi is somehow not good at basketball without Joel Embiid, which is just so far from the truth. I understand yeah. he's had some individual bad games that Joel Embiid has been out, but his efficiency this year, it's not all that much different. It's he is a 58% true shooting percentage when playing with Joel Embiid and it's 56% without Joel Embiid. Fantasy points per minute, he scores 1.29 fantasy points per minute without Joel Embiid. Terx Maxi is a great fantasy player when Joel Embiid is off the court and For whatever reason, that's not what the narrative is. I am definitely a little bit concerned that if he's a game-time decision with an illness, then maybe he won't be 100%. So that does add a little bit of risk there. But he's certainly an upside play, and you shouldn't get off him under some sort of idea that he's worse without Joel Embiid.
1: 29.5% usage, 53% true shooting for Maxi in the 15 games that Joel Embiid has not played. So not just off, but like simply, Joel Embiid did not line up to start the game Um, and Maxi was out there. Look, you should expect him to be less efficient when he takes a gigantic bump in usage and does not have the other team focusing a little bit on Joel Embiid. That's just how basketball works. Like, when you take off the reigning MVP, yes, the other team has the ability to pay a little bit more attention to you and maybe not pay as much attention to Paul Reed.
0: And the other part of this, too, is that's just kind of naturally what happens. Anybody who sees an increase in volume shooting, there's typically going to be a little bit of a decrease in efficiency. Maxi's great. Uh, the yeah. one thing we really have to be concerned about, though, is just the illness. How healthy is he going to be? Is he going to play tonight? Anything else to add from the 76ers, Josh?
1: I think Tobias Harris looks good no matter what. Even if Maxi's in, we have him at 14% ownership. I think that's like the proper rate. We have his optimal rate right around there. Uh, at the very least, you're projecting him for more usage if Maxi's not around. He, he can only look better than he does right now.
0: So let's talk about the West Coast games. But first, if you guys are looking to play the PGA tournament this weekend, the Waste Management Open, this is the first real big marquee PGA DFS event and actually the first real PGA big event of the entire year. We've got a promo going on for it because when you sign up using the promo code birdie, B-I-R-D-I-E, all capital letters. You get 25% off any PGA product that we have that you guys want to sign up for. So if you want the lineup generator, promo code BIRDIE, 25% off. If you want our Sims tool, promo code BIRDIE. You get it for 25% off. Just sign up using the link below because we've already got that promo code loaded into those links. So if you're looking to play PGA DFS this weekend, I've gotten more into PGA, Josh, just because of our Sims tool. I tried to dabble in a little bit in the past, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and I would just get my ass kicked. Uh, Like A couple weeks ago, though, I came in third and I came in seventh in the five dollar. Made myself a good amount of money on that slate. Didn't know shit about golf. I was rooting for the wrong thing the entire weekend. I was rooting for the wrong golfers. Didn't matter because my rooting interests apparently have no impact on the final standings. But it really was all because of the Sims tool we have here. So if you guys are looking to play PGA DFS or if you're just looking to play another DFS sport post NFL season, I highly recommend you sign up for our PGA tools and use that promo code birdie to get yourself 25% off.
1: New golf Pelicans. is my golf is my right. worst roi dfs <laughs> sport that exists it is a highly highly negative
0: it was uh it was for me until until recently now that i've had a couple uh a couple of ones where i won a gpp not all that long ago for pga and then i had the other week where i came in second and seventh. so Now I'm in the green for PGA, but that certainly never would have happened in the past because I don't know anything about it. But I am going to be putting out some PGA content just highlighting our tools and how I use them this week. So uh, if you guys want to be on the lookout for that, I'll be posting it to Twitter later. New Orleans Pelicans on the road against the Los Angeles Clippers. Clippers a juggernaut now, arguably the best team in the Western Conference, and the Pelicans are seven-point underdogs. They've got Zion Williamson questionable. They've got Najee Marshall questionable. If Zion is out, are we going to be looking to get to guys like CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram? Ingram just came off a game where he made like seven threes in a row and scored a billion points in limited minutes.
1: Yeah. If there's no Zion, you're boosting Ingram usage and assist rate. You're boost, boosting McCollum uh, usage and assist rate. You're boosting minutes for Trey Murphy. You're probably boosting a little bit of usage for Joval as well. Like Zion being off just raises all of the boats for the Pels. For right now, though. They're mostly uninteresting. You know, you got Zion right around 10% optimal, 10% own. That all seems very reasonable to me. You've got a really not great matchup. Like the Clippers are good. Their defense is solid. They don't exactly play fast or slow. We've got Herb Jones, 12% optimal, about 12% owned he is the guy that i have the most here that's just because small forward power forward 4100 we don't have a lot of value spots and he fills in that need pretty easily we've got trey murphy as like a very big positive leverage play 4500 shooting guard small forward i think he looks totally fine to get to uh, uh i would be happy in anywhere in that like five to ten percent range nothing stands out for the pelicans if zion is in though
0: and what also doesn't stand out to me is the Clippers' side of the game because when this team has everybody healthy now, because we've got Zubats back from injury, we've got Paul George, he's not on the injury report because it was groin issue. Kawhi Leonard and James Harden, they've both been great as of late, so they're priced up a little bit. I don't find really anything all that appealing from the Clippers.
1: Nope, neither do I. Single digits across the board for both dudes. I have nothing to recommend here.
0: So let's go to the final game on the slate. The Detroit Pistons on the road against the uh, Sacramento Kings. And I'm not going to tell you that there aren't things to potentially like from the Pistons, but Kid Cunningham and Bojan Bogdanovic are both questionable as of right now. That is a massive amount of usage that we have on the injury report for this team. So I, I, there's definitely a scenario where we want to get to guys from the Pistons. I'm just not clear who it is right now because Kade and Bogdanovic are such important pieces of the offense.
1: Yeah, like Asar Thompson looks all right. Ivy looks all right. Cade's fine if you want to get to him. Durin's fine if you want to get to him. But those Q tags matter so much for every, even one of those two guys being out really changes the impact of the Pistons in this spot because you do get a good matchup against Sacramento. I don't really think we're in a position to really dig in on these guys yet until we start to see more injury report stuff or get more news. Um, Because I don't see a priority from the Pistons unless we get somebody out.
0: One thing I will give to you guys is kind of like Sims' advice slash lineup building advice. If we were to go into lock with these guys being listed as questionable, the player I'd be most inclined to do a pod to give a positive ROI boost to is Azur Thompson because he's somebody who I already think looks okay now. And if you take Bogdanovich and Kade off the court, then I feel pretty good expecting Thompson to play extended minutes. And if you get into the later games here, and Thompson just becomes a viable value option. The problem is a lot of the payup guys have already played at this point. So if you do give yourself a positive ROI boost on Azur Thompson, you'll get to a little bit more of the payup options from the early games. And then I think Thompson fits in the lineups a little bit easier later on the day. So uh, that's one way that I like approaching the Sims tonight. But other than that, we need more information on Bogdanovich and Cunningham. Anything else to add about the Pistons?
1: No, they're the opposite of the Kings, which I'll just transition into, where we've got 20% ownership to Fox, Sabonis. Lyles 30 to 35 on monk and herder around 15 for Murray and Barnes. The whole team is at least 15% owned and upwards of 30. And I completely agree with it. I have everything here. This is the team I have the most of by a mile. I think 8100 dollar DeAaron Fox here against the Pistons is my favorite play on the day. I'm miles above the 20% ownership. I'm over on Sabonis. I'm over on Barnes. I'm 2x on Murray. I'm neutral to a 35% owned Herder. I'm neutral to a 30% owned Malik Monk. I'm over on a 25% owned Trey Lyles. I want every single piece of the real rotation of the Kings in this spot against the Pistons and it allows me all of the swaps that I could possibly need no matter how that Pistons news breaks, no matter how that Zion news breaks this is the best team on today's slate and they're the last team we're talking about
0: totally agree lots of players to get exposure to here malik monk keegan murray kevin herder De'Aaron fox demontis a good team to be getting to for sure and uh, also before we close out here we just got some news that came in josh tyrese maxi was not president shoot around today considering he's dealing with an illness pretty good indication he's not going to play if you were to ask me odds right now i'd say like 75 percent tyrese maxi sits because uh I, I don't the fact that he's not available to shoot around today. I don't think he's going to be playing
1: 6040 for me uh, when it's illness. I always just assume that guy's not going to go to shoot around because you just don't take sick people to be around more people. You just get fluids, get better, be ready for the game. But uh, it's not helpful when he's not there. It's, it doesn't, it's certainly not a good sign.
0: All right, guys, that is going to do it for us today. If you've not done yet, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel right after this. Walfi and Ben Rosic are doing a Super Bowl preview show, so go check those guys out. So I'm, I'm sure you guys are dying to hear some Super Bowl talk. So thank you guys very much for watching. Check out the deep dive and live before lock later on in the day because there's certainly going to be some injury updates. So yeah. see you guys then. Peace out.